Previously on Story Jazz, Ghost Hunters. Directly in front of the group of three, in the kitchen, floats the apron that they've seen each day for the past week. Guys, I um, I think the gym's closed. Less talking, more climbing. Another guy hands Spencer two items, a bottle of Jägermeister and a basketball. Their task is to get shit-faced okay. and like dunk a basketball into the basketball hoop that is like raised up 10 meters into the air. Naked. <laughs> I think it's not hazing unless somebody's naked. What? We see that it isn't the ball that has been dunked in, but it is Jonah. Jonah's pearly white ass. Harriet walks through the sort of darkening dusk of campus and suddenly a butt-naked boy just bowls her the fuck over. Are you okay? My name's Graham. I make a great posole. Dr. Faisal is like, well, disappearances happen. Happened just now to Liam, who was also involved in this thing, yes? Well, that's what's so crazy. This kid's name was Liam Ferris. Both of you take 10 steps back and get on your knees. Harriet starts running toward the ghost. I never wanted to be a ghost hunter. And she just fucking hadoukens the ghost across the room. The bleachers shudder and then start splitting apart and it steps through that hidden door. It's been a week since we last saw the ghost. And ever since, it's been really quiet. People haven't really been talking about these paranormal phenomena much. Few people are actually in on the story, but uh, those who have have been talking about how Dr. Faisal was involved and how he heroically shut the whole thing down. Or maybe that's just the story that Faisal has been spreading. Harriet and the two boys haven't really tried to stop him. She doesn't really want to spread the idea that she's involved in that whole thing. We open on one of the sort of public eating areas with an adjacent kitchen on campus where Harry, Spencer, and Graham have met to eat some of Graham's famous pozole. Which for our audience is sort of a stew, um, hominy, beans, root vegetables. I was about to ask, how exactly is that made? Like, is it in a pot? Yeah, this in might a pot. be relevant. Yeah. Harry and Spencer are sitting at the table discussing. And Harry says... It's probably not gone. I don't think we scared it off for good. It's just in hibernation or something. Spencer says, I don't know if we should bother. I mean, if it's in hibernation, isn't that safest for, for every, everyone? Harry shakes her head. It's only been a week. It'll inevitably come back. Grandpipe up and says, all right, then, then there's only one plan. I mean, we have to go, we have to find a way to open that door and we have to see what the heck is behind there. We can use uh, Dr. Faisal as bait again. We'll just tie him up in the center of the gym. Yeah, it'll be easy, Spencer says. And Harry just sort of sighs and stares at the table. Uh, in just that moment, the timer dings in the kitchen and Graham says, oh, I uh, better get back to it. Uh, he slips through the kitchen door and freezes as he sees a... Uh, disembodied apron. (gasps) (laughs) I realized last episode that we forgot to address the apron that they've seen for the past few days. But hey, that's the nature of this show. We are in Graham and Spencer's house right now. I think we're in one of these like public sort of hangout areas. My school has one of these. I don't know if you Americans over there have it, but um... 
like a like kitchenette a and kitchenette and okay yeah okay so there's a public uh or it's like for students only right it's sort of a, like a public hangout space you can like rent the space um and there's like board games a couple tables and a kitchenette or whatever so you can hang out with your friends yeah. and make food yes okay the apron turns to i want to do this too the apron turns to look at Graham. As it disappears, the pot of pozole drops to the ground with a clang. So it was holding the pot of pozole? Yeah. So pozole is everywhere. It just spills everywhere. Or does it drop back onto the stove? It, it drops to the ground. It spills everywhere. Uh, Spencer and Harry come running into the room, and they hear Graham gasping. And in the center of the kitchen is a sort of tattered pile of apron Covered in pozole. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, Graham, are you are you okay? What what happened? Graham sinks to his knees in front of the multicolored splotches. My pozole. Brief aside, I feel like I'm seeing that meme from the office of Kevin spilling the whole oh, pot no. of chili. The chili. Okay. Um, Harriet uh, sort of looks around. <laughs> Guys. Guys, Graham, stand up. Did you, did you see anything? It's still good. I can still. He likes. He's shoveling handfuls of pozole and in, back into the. Spencer, pot. grab your brother. Grab your brother right and Spencer now. Spencer grabs him and pulls him upright. Yeah, pulls him by the legs to grab him back. <laughs> Guys, there's definitely there is or there was something ethereal here. I mean, yeah. No, right here in this room. Spencer, go to my backpack and grab the gloves. Spencer, right now, go, go, go. He runs over. Spencer comes back and passes the, pass the glove. And, and Harriet, without taking her eyes off the kitchen, as she's sort of like, you know, watching the whole kitchen with her sort of wide eyes, she sticks her hands back and plants them one in each glove. Yeah. And then she turns back forward and she sort of gently walks through the kitchen, sort of scanning, like sort of wiping. Scanning the air with her hands back and forth, sort of combing the air in front of her. And actually, as Harriet walks forward, Graham sort of comes to a little bit and Spencer can feel a scent starting to dissipate. It's like he didn't know what he was smelling before. He was just like, oh, in a kitchen, there's some weird scents, whatever. But now that Harriet is walking forward and sort of combing the air and pushing the sort of uh, ethereal energies out, he's feeling this scent leave and realizing that there was a scent there that he didn't recognize. He just doesn't have the trained nose to realize what it is. Eventually, Harriet gets to the other side of the kitchen, and she stops, and she turns around. It's leaving, Spencer says. Yep, I th- I think it's gone already, but it definitely was here. Graham's just sort of looking at the mess. <sighs> would you still eat this? Because, like, I don't know how much we can salvage, but I would totally still eat this. I bet it's still good. Like, Graham, I, that's disgusting. I'll buy you a sandwich. Just, Let's go. Let's just clean this up and go. I don't really want to be here. Uh, yeah, Graham, I think that's... I think it's probably safer if we if we go somewhere else. Yeah, uh, with that, the three of them sort of pack up and mop the floor. Graham's still sort of dejected. Harriet is just sort of trying to process why there would be a ghost here when all of the sightings have been in the gym. And I think Spencer is starting to just come to terms with the fact that like he had some brief sensation of a ghost even after it was gone. Mm. He's just trying to like reconcile what that is. Mm. Cool. Graham's just mourning. Mourning. Yeah, mourning the pozole. I was actually really looking forward to this pozole. 
So I am disappointed for Graham that nobody got to eat it. <laughs> so we fast forward to them sitting in a small sandwich bar. Uh, Harry had bought Graham a, a, you know, a, a mango juice. So he's sipping on that, trying to recover from his loss. But he definitely like scooped the rest of the pasole into a Tupperware and, and stuffed that into his backpack or something. Yeah, probably. Almost certainly. We didn't see it, but we're suspicious. Like there's a Tupperware at the bottom of his backpack. We don't know what's in it. We got to take action, guys. They're, they're attacking my <laughs> culinary arts now. And and, and it, I think there's several of them. There's, there's several of them now, right? That's actually interesting, Graham. I hadn't considered. I had just initially thought that this was the same specter. It would just could travel further than I had initially imagined. I, I thought that it was confined to the gym because because of the ball attack, because of uh jonah samson zimmerman's uh sort of unfortunate injury so we're making it a double name now <laughs> yeah the news articles keep getting it wrong his name is hyphenated it's, it's jonah samson zimmerman oh that makes sense that's interesting graham you might actually be right it's possible that we have more than one specter here um harriet what how do we deal with two ghosts don't we need to do we need to deal with them separately? That really depends. You know how I said there aren't any coincidences in a situation like this? When two spectral entities coincide, it's just the same thing. There, it, it usually isn't a coincidence. They must be linked somehow, but I guess it'll be our job to try to figure out how. All right, guys. I have done it. We are safe now. I have booked the kitchenette. For the next two weeks, nobody can use it except for us. We're going to catch that bastard and we're going to punish him. Graham, I don't, I mean, I think it's actually a great that you blocked off the kitchenette so nobody else can use it, but I don't think we're going back there. <laughs> Not right now anyway. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I'm going to put on those fucking gloves and I'm going to box that sucker. Okay. I'm going to get back my Pasola rights. I think it was a fluke, Harriet says. I, I don't, I think our best bet is still that room behind the bleachers if we can somehow get into there. She she addresses uh, Spencer. Did, did you make any headway with Professor Horley? Horsley? I keep getting that name wrong, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, Dr. Horley uh, is really nice and has always sort of extended himself for me. And he said that we can come and, and check it out after hours. Um, but he's actually just worried about our safety um, and said that we should leave it to Dean Gillespie if possible. But I'm starting to get the idea that Dean Gillespie's known about this for a while and hasn't done anything to solve it. Yeah. And the school administration will probably be fine with just having the ghosts temporarily retreat as it has. Why don't we just, I mean, we've danced around this idea before, but why don't we just actually take apart the bleachers and get to that door? I mean... Part of the issue is the bleachers are built into the wall and we can't seem to get it to split open like it did that night with Dr. Faisal. But, you know, Professor Dr. Faisal doesn't want to go back in there. He's happy to just pass the stories around. But we could go in there and just take it apart. We could actually just take apart the bleachers to get to that door. Well, it's a lot of work, says Graham. Uh, and I've got a lot of, like, sitting around vaping scheduled, plus, like, I've been picking up uh, uh, League of Legends again, and uh, I just sort of wanted to 
chill these next few days, but I guess I can spare some of my valuable time for you guys. Thank you, Cram. That is so kind of you. I think that if we manage to deal with this ghost, perhaps you'll be able to cook undisturbed as well. That should be in itself a reward. That is a plus, yes. So let's jump to that scene, right? I think I want to jump to an intermediary scene. I want Graham to face the ghost by himself. I think Graham is actually peeved that the 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 ghost fucked with his pozole. And Graham has booked this uh, kitchenette for the next two weeks. Nobody else can use it so that he can use it every day. I think he's going to go after the ghost by himself. Okay. So it takes a few days to like organize their schedules. They're going to do it on Saturday. Um, they're going to ask some friends to, to pick up some, you know, like tools, you know, like the powered uh, uh, screwdriver or whatever they need to like. That's called a drill. Is it called a drill? It doesn't drill anything. What is a powered screwdriver? Exactly what the name says. <laughs> what is a drill then? A thing that drills holes. But how do you change the bit? What do you put in? What What else could you put in there? You could put a screwdriver or a <laughs> drill bit into a powered rotation handset. <laughs> so after going to Lowe's and getting a powered rotation handset. Or two. Uh, or two. Harriet and, and Spencer have sort of been spending time together, sort of collecting the tools and since uh, Spencer and Graham's place is closer to the gym, they've just sort of been piling up all of Harriet's uh, old ghost hunting equipment and their tools there to sort of prepare for their Saturday night, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Saturday night ghost hunting session. <laughs> but because all of the tools, uh, especially Harriet's old ghost hunting tools, are at Spencer and Graham's place, a sort of moonlit Thursday night, Graham decides that He's going to go after the Pasole ghost. The Pasole ghost. And that's this episode's title. <laughs> uh, he dons Harriet's two large gloves. And then he tapes a sort of uh, Chuck E. Cheese plastic Jesus piece to the back of one of the gloves. Um, <laughs> Why? Because, you know, you got to be fully outfitted to deal with ghosts, okay? What is a Chuck E. Cheese plastic cheese? <laughs> what? What is that? Uh, like a like a cross, like a cross that you would wear on a chain, like a Jesus piece. What? Like a you would Jesus? go like a Jesus piece, like a you know what? Yay, holy prophet! No, I get okay. Benny demon. Okay, what does that have to do with Chuck E. Cheese? Well, that's where you would get sort of a plastic, low quality <laughs> Jesus piece. Just because you said Chuck E. Cheese, it made me think Jesus, our Lord and Savior, Chuck E. Cheeses. Oh. Yeah, so I think actually it is. So it, it's got a cross on it, but rather than have Jesus on the cross, it's got sort of Chuck E. Cheese, the sort of rat's face. It's like horribly blasphemous. It was discontinued after a couple of years. Um, <laughs> but uh, Graham thinks it's so funny. And he brings it because he's like, well, Dr. Professor Dr. Faisal yeah. survived this long with a Bible and a cross. So, you know, a plastic Jesus piece uh, is better than nothing. So he sort of duct tapes it to the back of the glove. Great. And while uh, Spencer is sort of on a late night run with the rest of the polo team, he heads out. Graham arrives at the sort of public kitchen area that he has blocked, um, ignoring the notes on the door that say, who blocked this for two weeks in the online system? I was going to bring my parents here and cook them some... Veggie burgers. <laughs> Interesting. 
oh my God, my first date with the love of my life was ruined because I couldn't take her here to cook. Apparently, this is a very popular <laughs> uh, meeting place and Graham has abused the online system and uh, ruined it for everybody. Anyway, he unlocks the kitchen with his key card or whatever. It's a highly secure <laughs> system. <laughs> no, but... Um, and And enters the dark kitchen. He leaves the lights off because he feels like turning them on might frighten the ghost and it won't appear. So he just sort of looks around. As soon as he steps inside, he hears a... And he looks down and sort of hardwood floor is kind of squeaky. And so he decides he's going to take off his shoes um, just to be as quiet as he can. So he clumps off one shoe after the other and steps down on his socks on the, on, the, on the floor. And he slowly, one step at a time, walks by the board game room, by the steps that go to the balcony up top. And he approaches the kitchen. And before he's even in the kitchen, he can see the apron, the same apron. No, a different apron. Can't be. The same one was covered in pozole. This is another apron that looks exactly like the last one. <laughs> it's still floating in the kitchen, but there's it's not holding any pasola this time. It's just floating, sort of disembodied in the kitchen. It's just staring at the stove. Well, staring is perhaps an exaggeration because it doesn't have eyes or a face or even <laughs> a sort of facing direction. It's hard to tell which way it's looking. Well, I mean, the front of the apron has a front. <laughs> but you can see through it, right? You know, you can't see through the apron, but you can see through everything else. Yeah. And actually, now that Graham sort of looks at it for long enough, he sees sort of a vague bust shape in the apron. This must be a woman or at least a busted individual wearing the apron, wearing the disembodied, the disembodied apron is following the curvature of a busted person. There you go. <laughs> this all took Graham sort of a little while to figure out. I mean, he's had perhaps a couple too many uh, vapes tonight. <laughs> Those fry your brain, so. <laughs> uh, he's high on that buzz. You got that good jewel. He holds out the cheeses piece attached a gauntlet on one hand, sort of in front of him. And he starts uh, whispering to himself the only Bible verse that he actually knows. <laughs> <laughs> Blessed be the living who do not haunt the living because they're not the dead or the undead who totally haunt the living. Blessed be the living. <laughs> um. Realizing that that is not a Bible verse at all. <laughs> Come on. He retreats. We can do our own version of the Bible in our fictional universe. <laughs> he retreats it's to... Much, there are many more zombies in our version of the Bible. It's true. It's true. Uh, he, he retreats to... He tries Leviticus 11.3. Thou shalt not sure. eat shellfish. <laughs> <laughs> Unless thou totally like want shellfish right now. Leviticus 11.3? Yeah, hit, it, hit me with it. Whatever parts the hoof and is cloven-footed and chews the cud among the animals you may eat. Damn, that was really close. <laughs> it basically, that's what it says. Don't eat shellfish. It eat says, the yes. cloven-footed ones. Graham knows this because it was part of a uh, Christian cooking class he once took when he was learning another dish, which will 
see in the celebration at the end of the chapter, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> he sort of whispers, Cloven, cud. Yeah, don't. And the apron turns to face him, if you can say that. And he whips up the Jesus piece again. So he'll hold it in front of his face and he continues to whisper. The apron is completely unfazed as he whispers his Bible verse. All right. Um, hey, um, I don't appreciate what you did to my pozole. The apron shakes and jitters and at the word pozole swoops forward really close to him. Uh, Graham immediately sort of falls back onto his bum and holds out the rotational, the motorized rotational device with a spinning knife in it and just... <laughs> the ghost inches back and uh, a low sort of screech whisper emanates from it. Like... <laughs> okay, my black speech is not up to par, so you can have to go slowly. Ashnarash. <laughs> Okay, um, and so Graham sort of gets his way back onto his sort of socked feet, and he's got he's holding the drill out in front of him, and he kind of he he every once in a while to make sure it stays back, and he's sort of taking steps back. He goes, "All right, I get it. No pozole in here. Understood." The ghost shakes violently as he says the word pozole again, and jumps forward like almost teleports right up in front of him. And then away and like almost like glitching jumps through the room, different places through the room. And then finally lands in front of the stove again and goes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Graham has a thought. He pulls out his phone and hits the audio recording app and just holds it up. All right, all right. All right, guys, you listening? You listening? All right. Posole. Did you guys hear that? Did you guys hear that? Okay, I'm going to leave now. I'm just going to... And uh, the ghost, or the, the specter, the apron turns to Graham again and glitches out like crazy again, whizzes through the room, and then just poof, disappears. So the, the apron sort of flits... To the ground and then yeah empty no longer inhabited by the sort of disembodied uh busted presence yes busted <laughs> I mean, I, busted <laughs> you didn't get my ghost busted oh joke oh my god oh <laughs> you gotta be kidding me graham sort of backs up sort of looking around just as if as if he could see the you know, uh, ethereal presence elsewhere, embodying or enchanting something else, but he doesn't see it anywhere. He sort of (laughs) sniffs the air the way that uh, Spencer and and Harriet kept talking about, but nothing. Doesn't smell anything. (laughs) Nothing but the remaining smell of lost pasole. And he looks up in the air and does a cross across his shoulders. Um, (laughs) No. (laughs) Nothing happens. Uh, (laughs) Still holding a gauntleted fist with a Chuck E. Cheese's plastic cheese piece facing forward. He backs up to the door and, and sort of reaches behind him, sort of aimlessly, finds a doorknob, creaks it open and pushes the door open, feeling a sort of breath of cold air rush in. He breathes easier down. He takes one more step, 
out backwards and steps on his shoe and slips and immediately falls over, sending his drill flying, <laughs> losing one gauntlet in the process, and then rolls down the steps outside, forgetting that he had left his shoes by the door. <laughs> Wonderful. That's great. And then we smash cut. Boom. Uh, Graham's <laughs> in the hospital. <laughs> no. He has three cracked vertebrae. Oh, that's a twist that I was not expecting. No. Twist I, of the spine. Um, he's right in the bed next to Jonah Sampson Zimmerman. Actually, that might be kind of no, good. No, I think actually <laughs> no, <okay. we're, laughs> we sort of smash cut to not 15 minutes later, Graham is sort of sneaking back the steps up to his house. Spencer is on the bench in front of the house, on like sort of the little couch bench in front of the house, still in his gym clothes, um, looking at his phone. Uh, and he hears Graham walk up and says, oh, dude, hey. Oh, where where were you? I came home and and you weren't home. I mean, not that you you can't go out, just so I kind of maybe sort of did something irresponsible, but I think the end result is overall positive. And Spencer notices like a couple of blue spots on his arms and or all over him. Did you did you get in a fight? No, I just I fell. Down the, it doesn't, let me just tell you the story. And he recounts what just happened. With a, with a sort of like, maybe it's like a fade out or it's like a sort of sped up montage sequence of Graham sort of waving around <laughs> explaining it. We, we cut to Spencer sort of sitting on the bench, no longer lying down on it, sort of rubbing his, rubbing his temples. Graham, I, we agreed that we were not going to go back into that house because there's a ghost there. And where you can only deal with one ghost at a time. I don't know how to keep you safe if you're going to run off and get hurt. Well, same thing goes for you. But can we focus on the important aspect of the story? I got its voice. All right. All right, fine. Uh, let me hear it. Let and me he hear it. he plays the recording. Hey, guys, can you hear this? All right, all right. Um, <laughs> and then the screeching. Po-so-le. Po-so-le. <laughs> okay. All right, I admit that's that's actually pretty fucking cool. Um, <laughs> right? Terrifying, but cool. Just, can you like save it onto, you know, the cloud or something so we don't don't lose it? And then we're going to show Harriet tomorrow. She'll know what to do. Can we just smash cut to Harriet? So cut Harriet in their like little dorm house with the two boys. You did what? I think she she said you did what, and then she holds up her gauntlet, still taped, still with a plastic cheeses, Chuck E. Cheese's Jesus piece <laughs> Do taped you know onto it. The kind of chaotic spectral energy that emanates from these satanic blasphemous effigies, and she like rips it off and throws it out the window. Or she tries to rip it off, but it's too quick. It's too. I want it to be on there. I mean, you could rip it off if you want to. I want it she, to be on there. <laughs> she though. tries to rip the cheeses off. Of her gauntlet, but it doesn't unstick. There's some infernal glue in there. It just it's just welded to her gauntlet. These these are useless now. And she throws them the gauntlets to the ground in rage. All right. All right, Harry, I'm sorry. I know that I broke uh protocol, but we got something out of it, right? This is not, I mean, I fucked up. I get it. I fucked up. But like Moving forward from here, we have more information. We can save my pozole. You don't understand how big this is. Spencer puts a hand on Graham's shoulder and says, Graham, that, that pozole is gone. <laughs>
you got to accept that that pot of pozole, you know, went down the drain, splattered all over the room. You can make future pozoles, but that pozole will never be recovered. That's not true. It's in the freezer. I mean, it's it's one quarter of it is in the freezer. <laughs> that's that's not the point, Spencer. That's not the point. The point is no pozole left behind. <laughs> <laughs> You're really focusing on the pozole. All right, never never mind the pozole. Let's focus on the fact that I have a recording of the ghost of of the ghost. And and Harriet, you explained before that we need to figure out what the ghost wants if we're going to release it from this sort of uh, binded ethereal shape and let it let it go on to to Chuck E. Cheese's Jesus Peace Heaven or or wherever it's going to go. All right, show me the recording. Are you listening? You listening? Here. That is the most terrifying thing I have ever heard ending in the word posole. <laughs> and I've, I've been around ghosts sort of my whole life because of my dad. You mean my dad, you know. But I have never heard something like that. You don't think you can glean anything from it? That's not true. I, I do think this is important. And as much as I hate to admit it, Graham, you've got something. Yes. This is not nothing. But please... Next time you want to go into the Pasole Ghost's house, let's go together. The Pasole Ghost. Are we riding the Pasole too hard? You said it like once in the first episode. You were like, I make a great Pasole. Just come over anytime. And now this whole episode is Pasole based. <laughs> you know, you're the one who made the ghost say Pasole. I'm just riding your wave here. Harriet uh, sits down and takes out her laptop and calls up a number on her video chat app. It's your dad. Beedy, 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 boop. Bring, bring. Bring, bring. Give us the dad. Did we actually hear the dad before? God, what did he sound He's like? He's like, Harry, how are you, how you doing? <laughs> he was just friendly. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's he was right. just friendly. Yeah. Hey, Harry, uh, how's it going? I, whoa, somebody else. Uh, Hi. Is that your friends? Your friends out there? Uh, yeah, I guess. Graham just sort of like grins. Uh, <laughs> Give me a, a last name for Harriet real quick. Hi, guys. Uh, I'm Harry. Uh, nope. You've met my daughter, Harriet. Um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm Harry Bartleby. It's really nice to meet you guys. Wait, wait. Sorry. Hi. Yes, I'm Graham. This is my brother, Spencer. Your name is also Harry? I think actually more accurately, Harriet's name is also Harry. Um, I'm... Harrison and she's Harriet, which is confusing, of course. Harry says because he's not the son, right? If if I, he was Harriet and I was Harrison and I was his son, that would you'd be able to, you know what I'm saying? Well, it's it's a tradition in uh, famous in in longstanding uh, aristocrat ghost hunting families to name the heir of the family business after the last heir of the family business, and since. Our family didn't have any sons. We named Harriet uh, after me to sort of carry on the family business. Although there is no pressure, of course, Harry Darling, there's no pressure to carry on the family business. That's never been on you. You are uh, an incredible uh, Shakespearean lit Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, Dad, okay, Dad. Let's get to the uh, reason why I'm calling you. What's up, Harry? It's about business. (laughs) Wait, business, business? Well, business, business, business business and he holds up a stump of an arm with a spectral hand doing the money with a spectral hand doing doing the money thing uh which money fingers 
Can all three of them see the spectral hand? Um, or can just some of them? <laughs> I know what you're trying to get at. Graham is just confused. Harry doesn't even realize what's going on. And Spencer is like, what? Is that a is that like a filter? <laughs> so Spencer sees some sort of vague outline. Yeah, wavy, yeah. Of an arm. Harriet knows exactly what's happening. She can see the hand sort of crystal clear. And Graham's like, oh shit. Uh, is your dad, is your dad okay? Did he, did he lose an arm? <laughs> Actually, wait, maybe he's, maybe he's like whispering to Spencer like, oh shit, did your dad lose an arm? Are we going to lose a limb hunting ghosts? Uh, I don't know. That's, um, actually kind of horrifying to think about it's also a little presumptuous to just start <laughs> on camera like whispering so harriet uh so there's two ghosts um or so one of them is in the gym and the other one is in the kitchen all the time that's the pasola ghost yeah the pasola ghost it's very interesting. There's not frequently two ghosts in the same area that aren't directly related to the same initial event. Often, if there's more than one ghost, they're attached, uh, such as a uh, mass murdering or a murder-suicide or something like that, where there are the ghosts are attached by a certain traumatic event. Yeah, that's what I said. Anyway, we have like a recording of its voice or something like that. Uh, I just wanted to show you that and see if you could make anything of it. Did you get some of the new software? I haven't been looking at it because I'm, by all technicalities, retired, but I'd heard that there was new software for I don't, recording ghosts. Dad, I don't have ghost recording software. I'm, you know how I'm like trying not to follow that career path and all that. This is just- Yes, of course. Yeah. Shakespeare? Mm-hmm. Yes. So I thought maybe you just listen to it and maybe you can help us. All right, well, send it over. Send it over, darling. Bloop, bloop. This is set in the year 2022, where files just <laughs> instantly arrive. Um, or we could just send it in normal time, and they sit around <laughs> waiting for a little bit. No, yeah, um, yeah. Or his spectral hand reaches through the screen and into Graham's phone and pulls the MP3 out like a little <laughs> chip. <Ooh. laughs> How far can we take this? I, uh, uh, so the the three the three goon squad uh, sort of watch uh, Harry Bartleby Harrison Bartleby hold his headphones to his ear. As he's sort of looking, sort of distracted, he's clearly listening to the recording. And his eyes narrow. And the three of them watch him sort of mouth these words. Mm-hmm. Like he's almost mouthing along with the ghost. And Harry recalls, uh, Harriet Bartleby recalls that her dad really did study trying to interpret ghosts because it was sort of the creed of this particular family to whenever possible, get the ghost home safely. That banishing or destroying ghosts was sort of a crueler tactic. And there was no better way to figure out how to send a ghost home than to understand what it was actually saying. Something that very few ghost hunters had ever even tried. He throws down the headphones. Yep, this is not a ghost. What? You're telling me that just some... Punk, some fucking Scooby-Doo punk is like messing with me and stealing my pozole. Spencer puts a hand on Graham's like, shoulder. He didn't, he didn't buy any fucking turn. He didn't buy the turnip. He didn't buy the hominy. He didn't provide like what? <laughs> um, Graham, Graham, I think he's going to explain it to us. It's still a specter. Well, technically it's a wraith. 
a wraith? A wraith is basically not a full ghost. It's it's the echo of one. They form from intense memories. One of the nine lords of men given a ring. No, yeah, that's not. That's why they speak dark speech. That's that makes no, so much sense. That's, it's possible that Tolkien <laughs> took a little bit of inspiration from uh, the the true lore of of ghosts, but this presence that you've witnessed here isn't a full ghost and shouldn't be able to manipulate things physically to too much of a a degree. I mean, I don't want to brag on behalf of this ghost, but a pot of pozole weighs, you know, five, six pounds at least more. I mean, I was making enough for three people, so it's a pretty substantial weight. Graham, Graham, this is not about your pozole right now. Uh, And Harrison Bartleby thinks for a second and says, well, maybe maybe this wraith has a special connection to Pasole. I fucking knew it. I fucking <laughs> knew it. I told you guys. You guys fucking made fun of me, but I told you. I knew it. I made the best goddamn Pasole this side of Massachusetts. So what do we take away from this, Dad? Like, what? what how do we fight this wraith off? How do we... How do we use this against the, the main ghost? Well, darling, I think your first step is going to be to figure out how these two spectral beings interact. From what you've told me, you haven't actually seen them in the same place, at the same time, or even in the same place, not at the same time. Um, but they are, I can assure you, aware of one another. Um, and may actually be exacerbating the powers of the other. And that's uh, a dangerous storm to be caught in the center of. As as dangerous as Liam Ferris, the ghost of Liam Ferris is, this is actually, that's actually the tamer of the two. That this, this wraith is far more powerful, or the potential to be far more powerful and far more dangerous. We're talking... Uh, tearing down the school and, and uh, you know, possessing multiple bodies at once and causing mass disruption if this wraith is angered. Uh, so I urge you to take things slowly on the Pasole ghost and to... <laughs> the Pasole wraith, Graham, correct. Yes, my apologies. And to first approach Liam Ferris. If you can figure out what is what is happening with Liam Ferris first and then use that information and hopefully keep the two uh, spectral powers from mixing, you can prevent the largest of, of casualties. Now that I think about this, shouldn't I just come? I, I think I'm, there's no reason for me to be stuck here in Alabama, um, you know, in retirement. No, the fishing's wonderful, but I don't know. I'm, I'm worried about you, Harry, dear. No, Dad, we both know there's uh, plenty of good reasons why, why you're staying home. And we don't want to worry mom more than we already have. Come on, dear. This this arm, it does some weird things, but it's never it's never hurt anyone. It's not about the arm, you know that. Well, I'm gonna send you some more supplies. Oh. It should be there. I'll I'll uh next day it uh with UPS. That would be great. Could you get me some uh she like glances over at Graham, some decaotifier or something? This crazy boy stuck a Chuck E. Cheese Cheezus statue to my gauntlet. One of the uh, limited edition Chuck E. Cheese's Jesus Peace made with original uh, plastic and bad paint. 
the very one. <laughs> wow. That's a lot of chaotic energy. <laughs> Hey everyone, it's half of your hosts, Sam, speaking here. And your other half, Softy. We just wanted to say hi, as we do in the middle of these episodes for some reason. This is a, this is a regular reminder to follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah, our tag is at StoryJazzCast. Uh, you can find Sam's uh, YouTube profile too, our, our episodes are going up there. The episodes should be regularly coming out Thursdays from now on. So look forward to the next episode after this one on the 6th of August. Yes, that's correct. And and we'll let you know from then on as the next ones come out. But every two weeks about on Thursday. You might have noticed this episode too is a continuation of the Ghost Hunters arc. But we're going to try to do new story arcs every like two to four episodes. And if you particularly liked a story arc or a character, you know, tweet at us, hashtag StoryJazz, or again, at StoryJazzCast. Let us know what you liked, and we can bring it back in a future episode. You know, we might continue some story arcs. Yeah, or if you just want to be a part of the process, uh, tweet at us, uh, send us messages on Instagram, Facebook, or, or, or email us at StoryJazzCast at gmail.com. You can just yeah. shoot us your ideas. We'd love to hear from our fans. Yeah, like if you have prompts, like for stories that we could try to, to do... Like, it's not like we need them, but like, it, we, we need them, please. <laughs> but no, seriously, we are so thankful for all of you who have listened and reviewed and shared the show. We are. We we love all of our fans. Friends. We love everybody who has even put the time into listening D- to us. Direct, close friends. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if fans is appropriate. Or fr- friends. Friends. <laughs> friends. Oh my God, I love that term. Our friends. Yes, we love you. I do we have a way of ending this? <laughs> that's, like that's that's pretty much it. That's the whole ad break, right? So thanks for listening and enjoy the show. <laughs> yes, we'll see you in two weeks. I love you. I love you too. I I think the next step is to break into the back room of the bleachers and drive the ghost to the kitchenette. Take us to the gym. Take us to. The dismantling of the bleachers. Do you want me to like like cold open, kind of like uh, just throw yeah, us in there? Sure. <laughs> in a brief montage sequence, we watch Graham pull one glove on and pull another glove on and clench his fist on the back of the glove. We still see the plastic Jesus, Chuck E. Cheese's Jesus piece attached to the back of the glove. In the corner of the room, we watch Harriet roll her eyes as she pulls on a new pair of gloves. They look brand new. A gift from her father. Uh, Spencer, on the other side of the room, is holding a large metal net, which is uh, wired on the sides with these sort of uh, with these flowery patterns and uh, cryptic writing and these sort of tattered pieces of paper. There's no mesh to the net, but it has supposed to have some sort of uh, you know uh, ethereal capabilities. Uh, even Harriet doesn't understand quite what it's supposed to do, but Again, her father sent it, and she would be remiss not to use something her father sent. Harriet pulls on her goggles, pulls them over her forehead, swoops her hair back a little bit. She's got for sure she got swoopable hair. For sure she got swoopable hair. She pulls on her boots. She 
throws her little backpack on, which she's stuffed full of some more tools that her father sent, half of which she doesn't even know the names of. Everybody's sort of preparing their various possessions. Uh, Spencer, who's the least equipped of the three, is standing on the porch, looking out into the night, gazing generally towards the gym, but also trying not to look at it for too long, knowing that he's got to go over there soon. Harriet follows out behind him. She's got all of her stuff set up. She's got all of her ghost hunting equipment. And she turns to the her large uh, polo playing friend. Are you uh, are you ready to do this? Ready as I'll ever be, I guess. Hey guys, guys, wait, hold on. All right. And you hear from the upstairs room the door that's still open. <laughs> you know, guys, I think that this uh, what knife thing is off center, and it's making the whole drill or its whole motorized rotary device. Uh, wiggle when I squeeze it. Uh, Graham? Graham, what are you... Get the fuck down here, okay? Just take the drill. We don't need the 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 butter knife. I don't know why it was in there. <laughs> <laughs> and they march off toward the gymnasium. Of the three, Harriet's confidence has grown. I mean, she's dealt with ghosts before in her childhood when she would follow her father on these various adventures. Graham despite his ineptitude, has grown to feel like he can deal with any ghost after having fended off a wraith, which apparently is one of the more powerful spectral beings. And least confident is Spencer, who, despite his stature, is terrified of this ordeal. I mean, he's already been pummeled by balls on more than one occasion. He's not ready to be done again again. Wow. They meet up with Dr. Horsley, who opens the uh, back door of the gym for them, looks them up and down, and sees the Automatic, uh, what was it? Powered rotation. The motorized, yeah, ro- yeah motorized rot- rotary device. The, the powered, the, was it? Powered rotation handsets that they've brought along, <laughs> and says, "Excuse me, is that a is that a ghost hunting tool?" Uh, tonight it is sort of says Harriet. Yes, I officially sanction this as a ghost hunting tool under the circumstances. Thanks, Doctor Horsley. Uh. We'll we'll clean up whatever mess we make, I, I promise. Horsley reluctantly nods and lets them inside. Hey, Dr. Horsley. <laughs> Graham waves and walks right by. It should be noted at this point that Graham, as he came downstairs, has some swimming goggles on. Not the uh, heat-detecting heat, heat infrared goggles that Harriet has, but rather just some normal swimming goggles. Just cuz. <laughs> so they start dismantling these bleachers. It's a huge project, and it takes them well into the night. Um, they manage to find the right screws and uh, uh, take out like the center chunk, but they have to like work top down, take off row of, row after row of these benches, and then like carry them over to the other side of the hall to to put them. Down. Which has been relegated to Spencer, the largest of the three, to carry the larger pieces, while Graham, the smallest. Uh, squeezes underneath each bleacher set and uses the automated motory rotary device. Um, <laughs> the name gets create more creative by the minute. Uh, to to uh, undo all of the various screws and bolts. And Harriet picks apart the individual pieces and passes them off to, to Spencer, who's been stacking them against the wall. It's, it actually doesn't take more than 30 minutes before they can see the door, but it takes them another three or four hours to actually get Whoa. all of the bleachers out of the way um, before they can access the door. Once they reveal the door, 
through the moonlight of the window, they see a reflection at the base of the door. And there is Dr. Faisal's gold cross, which was slid across the floor in their previous incident. Great callback. Sitting there at the foot of the door. Uh, Harriet goes, now see, this is the kind of cross that you can fight a ghost with and picks it up. Uh, And Graham says, really? That's that's more effective than the Chuck E. Cheese? She says, nah, it's the same. It's like nothing. It's, at least it's not blasphemous, but it doesn't really do anything. And she like tosses it aside. Graham reaches out and catches it and wraps it around the other gauntlet and like sort of pumps himself up a little bit. Now that he's got one on each side. With the power of blasphemy on my left and the power of organized, institutionalized religion on my right, I shall <laughs> punch this ghost? I don't really know what I'm doing. Shh. Graham, we have to be quiet. And Spencer walks up to the door and puts a hand on the handle and says, I actually don't really want to be the one to open the... Can like, can somebody else... And Harriet says, come on, Graham, you open the door. I'll stand at the ready. Thanks. Uh, Graham walks up holding his plastic Jesus, Chuck E. Cheese's Jesus piece <laughs> uh, in front of him. And with the gauntlet, with the gold... Uh, cross grabs the door and slowly turns the knob and it goes <laughs> and, it, and he looks up and the other's like what uh guys and spencer says oh no is it locked uh and horsley says oh yeah it's probably locked and then graham goes <laughs> and breaks the door over some sort of blockage that was in there and oh no i i got it it's it was open <laughs> It's just rusted. And it cracks open, and a cold breath emanates from the room beyond. Darkness seems to seep out into the gym hall as the three look upon this dusty old room back there. The room is not more than three or four meters by three or four meters. In fact, if they'd actually taken any time to look at the plan of the gym, they would have seen exactly how big it is. But it's tiny. There's a small, central, wooden, circular table in the middle. A couple of chairs, half of which are dilapidated and falling to pieces. There's a, a wall on one side with a number of old accolades and, you know, team photos from... Actually, it's so dusty, you can't even tell how old they are. And stacked all around the walls and into the middle of the room are a bunch of cardboard boxes with the personal effects of one Liam Ferris. Which the three of them can tell because in sort of a scratchy Sharpie is written Liam Ferris. Harriet enters the room, her boots making imprints in dust that hasn't been swept up in years, and uh, flicks on her flashlight to shine around. And Spencer says, wait, shouldn't you? Because... During the last few days, Harry has given him sort of the basic rundown of how to deal with the ghost equipment. Um, And one point was that uh, light frightens the ghosts off and um, you shouldn't willy-nilly shine lights around if you're trying to detect them. Um, But it turns out, but but she just shakes her head at him um, and like points at her nose. And when Spencer sniffs the air, he can tell there's like a stale ghost aroma in here but it's not present it doesn't feel like anything has been present for a while in here 
Uh, Harry, if the ghost isn't here, where? And <laughs> suddenly, <laughs> boing boing bounce boing bounce 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 bounce. From behind the three of them, the two double doors that enter the gym fly open. They've been closed behind, and Doctor Horsley is sitting in the or standing in the center of the gym, watching the three of them enter this old room. And a gust of cold air rushes through, and they can feel instantly, Spencer and Harriet can feel the sort of ethereal presence start to rise, not in this room, but coming from behind them. And with a gasp, (gasps) Dr. Horsley begins to rise. His feet separate from the ground as he begins to be lifted into the center of the gym by his chest, like like there's a hook in his chest pulling him upward. (sighs) Oh, geez. Um... Did I catch you unaware a little there? No, we're good. We're good. Graham turns around and springs into action. He runs toward Horsley, jumps up with both of his gauntlets outstretched, and manages to grab onto Horsley's ankles and try to pull him to the ground. But this force that is lifting him up is just really strong. And Spencer shouts, Graham, don't! And runs after him. Uh, but by this time, by the time he reaches them, they're so high, they're already like lifting up to the top of the gym and out of out of his reach. Harriet, thinking fast, grabs one of the old trophies off of the uh, shelf and s- sticks it into the door so that when it slams, inevitably slams shut, the trophy stops it, bending a little as it does. Then she turns around and uh, runs toward the two figures being lifted up in the center of the gym. All right, Spencer. Spencer, where did you put the net? Um... Uh, fuck, uh, it's there, behind behind the bleach. Just, Spencer, just grab it, grab it. And she reaches into her pack and she pulls out a uh, a tube of toothpaste-like substance. <laughs> uh, it's got some strange writing. It looks like it's in uh, Tagalog. It's, it, you know, this sort of curly writing. She can't read it, but her, her father sent it and explained to her what to do with it. That's awesome. Spencer co- comes, runs over to her, um, sort of hesitantly and sweatily looking up at the two figures floating higher and higher into the room, watching Dr. Horsley's body start to convulse and shake as his arms are moving and flailing to the side and his legs start to flail too. Graham sort of barely holding on. He's kind of screeching and 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 yelling out, uh, uncloven chud, you gotta, don't eat the shellfish. <laughs> <laughs> Spencer holds out the, the sort of circular part of the net to, to Harriet who, with a sort of like, uh, squeezes some of the toothpaste onto the rim of the net, and then with her gauntlet sort of like kneads it around uh, each portion of the net with a little sort of dangling parchments. Um, She says, all right, when I'm done with this, I need you to run around the exterior of the gym. You're going to hold that net up up in the air. You know that scene in SpongeBob where they're trying to catch the the <laughs> the jellyfish? Just like that. Just run around, hold the net directly above you, and I need you to chant this for me. And she gives him a chant. We smash we smash cut to <laughs> we smash cut to Spencer breathing deep. He's standing at one, and Harry's like, "All right, you got to go fast as you can. All right, chant. Let's go." And he says. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I sprint in circles with great haste. I bind you, Spectre, with this paste. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
And <laughs> as he's doing that, Harry runs back inside. Uh, Horsley is now holding onto the rafters at the top, trying to get, regain control over his body. Graham dangling from his feet as his shoes start slipping. All right, stay calm, Graham. I'll be right with you, Harry shouts. And she starts climbing the rafters. Spencer, after having made his tour of the gym with the net, throws the net down and says, Harry, I'm, I'm, I'm going to grab the mat from the mat room and throw it under them. That way, if they fall, they're going to... And then he, boom, disappears out the room. Harriet climbs up the rafters and we're back in that place where we were at the beginning of episode one among the retracted basketball hoops. And she makes her way over toward the two there. And the uh, and and as she gets closer, Horsley turns his face suddenly toward her, and there's like this darkness in his eyes. It's like his irises are suddenly pitch black, um, and bleeding outwards into the white of his eyes. And he speaks with a demonic voice. You little girl, what do you think you can do to me? (laughs) You think this paste will bind me into this room forever? You're wrong! And Harry just says, Stop the spiel, Ferris. I know you're just the kid from the basketball team. You don't, you're not fooling me with that demon voice. I... Spencer slams open the doors, carrying on his shoulder one of the sort of wrestling one of the wrestling mats, and he runs to the center of the room and throws it on the ground and rolls it out, uh, and and shouts up to Graham, Graham, this this paste isn't isn't gonna save you. It's it's just to make sure the ghost doesn't leave. Um, so when you when you fall, say something. I'll, I'll try to catch you, but if you don't, this mat should prevent you from from breaking most most limbs. I think. <laughs> That's great, Spencer. That's great. Uh, I was hoping to not break most limbs. What the fuck am I supposed to do? He says, sort of swinging back and forth as uh, Dr. Horsley's body is convulsing more and more. It's starting to sort of crumple here and there, almost like it's like wants to implode on itself. Damn. Harry's is like clambering through the rafters and like manages to hold on to one and is like trying to swipe at Horsley with her one of her gauntlets. But Horsley slash Liam Ferris's ghost that is possessing Horsley's body is just out of reach and, and smiles at her and says, I've been here for 13 years, buddy. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere soon. This is my place. And then Har- Harriet looks down at Spencer and says, all right, this is going to be a little risky. Get ready to catch somebody falling. Somebody. And with that, she unhooks her legs from the rafters and swings on her arms so that she's propelled towards the floating Horsley and Graham. And she flies through the air, letting go of her hands. He flies through the air and leading with one punch, just socks Dr. Horsley in the face as fucking hard as she can. And everybody in the room hears this sort of wet thump as a sort of ghostly spectral figure gets astrally projected out of the back of Dr. Horsley and completely separated from his form as Dr. Horsley's sort of like gaunt corpse, looks like the energy has been sucked out of it, starts to fall limp. Did you just say corpse? (gasps) Horsley slips, his hands go limp and he slips off the rafters and down 
down, down, splatting, smacking <laughs> into the. As he's as he's falling, Harriet manages to hook one arm back onto the rafters, and she reaches down and with their sort of rotating body of Dr. Horsley, managed to now grab Graham by the ankle, um, still holding onto the rafters with one hand, holding Graham by the ankle with the other, as Dr. Horse as as Graham loses loses grip of Dr. Horsley, who catapults slowly towards the ground, quickly, faster now, Spencer underneath, sort of positioning himself to catch the falling body of Dr. Horsley. And Lands and with a crunch, thump. Actually, with a crunch, crunch. <laughs> uh, Dr. Horsley's body falls limp into Spencer's arms. Actually, as he lands, Spencer can feel each bone in his body, each bone in Dr. Horsley's body sort of crumble to pieces in his hands, his legs and his arms and his back sort of like crush under the weight of their own falling. And he's holding this sort of limp, gaunt, muscleless, liquidless, dry body of Doctor Horsley. Jesus Christ! You just killed this guy. Oh man, I thought he might live. <laughs> well, that's the end of Doctor Horsley. Spencer looks down at him and kind of shudders. Oh, oh God, fuck! And he drops him onto the mat in front of him. Uh, g- guys. Guys, what happened to Dr. Horsley? Let me go. I can't do it, okay? I just can't. No, stop struggling. You'll just make it worse. Harriet and uh, Graham are still, like, fighting up there. Hey, uh, hey, Spencer, is there, like, a trampoline or something? Because I don't think I can hold on to this guy much longer. Your brother's a lot heavier than he looks. Spencer climbs up the the side of the room, as he is now versed in doing, uh, into the rafters and helps Harry somehow pull... Graham up uh, and they help each other down and a few moments later they're standing around Dr. Horsley's lifeless body um Harriet yeah was this always like was this a risk of happening to us this whole time um I I guess so it's it's much more powerful than I thought it was gonna be and uh, Dr. Horsley is dead. He's gone. There's nothing we can do. Harriet is about to answer when we hear a loud, like, electric crack from outside. And then a sort of... We cut outside the gym. The three of them are running out. And we see what seems to be like the semi-transparent form of... Liam Ferris caught in a semi-transparent glowing net-like substance that is spanning around the entire gym building. It's only visible right where the ghost is stuck to it, but we can tell it's the paste net <laughs> that, <laughs> that, um, that Spencer created. And the ghost is in there thrashing all right, guys, don't get close. We've already seen what it's capable of, and since it absorbed uh, Dr. Horsley's energy, I don't I don't know what it could do next. This net probably won't hold it for very long. Okay, I've got an idea. This is this is really dangerous. This is like if you guys wanna wanna dip now, dip now. 
I, I can't guarantee we're going to survive this. Uh, okay. I mean, we've been pretty close to dying this whole time, haven't we? We're going to cut the paste net and we're going to get the ghost to follow us to the Pasole ghost. We're going to intentionally have them interact and we're going to use the Wraith's energy to cancel out the ghost's energy and hopefully in a time where they're both weak from fighting one another, banish them. Because at the, at the power that Liam Ferris is now, we don't stand a chance. It's going to be all of us running towards the kitchenette as fast as we can. And if the ghost catches one of us, we already know what's going to happen. How, how do you know it'll follow us? These creatures are driven by anger. I think we've angered it plenty. What do we do when we get it to the, to the kitchen, to the Pozzoli ghost, to the kitchenette? Right. Um, before we can figure that out, let me... And she hastens on back to the um, room behind the bleachers where the other two follow her. And she pushes the door open that was held open by the now-bent little trophy and um, starts rifling through these old boxes. Help me real quick. Shouldn't we watch the trapped ghost? No, well, it's trapped. It'll hold for a few minutes. Just hope nobody sees it squirming there. Um, actually, do we know if Graham maybe doesn't, doesn't see it as clearly as Spencer and Harry do? I think we know. I, I don't think... I think that uh, Spencer and Harriet see it. I mean, Spencer, not as clearly. He's not quite sure what he's looking at. Yeah. Uh, Graham is seeing lights and shining and, and feeling shaking, but he just assumes yeah. that he's seeing the same thing as they are. So they rifle through this old, these old belongings of, of, of Liam Ferris's. It's like, basically, these, these are like moving cartons, boxes that hold all of the stuff that must have been in his dorm room 13 years ago. So what they can glean from his personal belongings is Liam Ferris joined ACK-ACK 13 years ago. That is Ackroyd Academy, by the way. He had recently lost a family member. At least it seems that way because there are a lot of like postcards and stuff expressing their condolences and all that. There are a bunch of pictures with him and just his dad who also uh, sent him old-fashioned letters that are very formal and sort of talk about how he hopes his son is doing well at school, but it sort of bleeds through the page, sort of between the lines. You can feel that he put a lot of pressure on his kid. Um, Liam Ferris was on the basketball team. And uh, as Spencer sees that, he remembers talking to Derek off the polo team about this hazing ritual. We could actually do that scene real quick. Yeah, fuzzy sort of black background. We zoom out and we get this sort of like, the way that you get like a film camera, the sort of like lines in the camera lens as the, the frames pick up faster and faster and faster and boom, we're in the past. It's sort of grainy. This is between last episode and this episode where Spencer got in touch with Derek uh, who was suspended. So he Skyped him up to ask him about the hazing ritual and whether he's heard anything about Liam Ferris's disappearance. And Derek said, Oh yeah, the hazing ritual. 
you know, that might have been a little much. We we did other rituals the last couple of years, um, but then we stumbled upon this idea for the for the Jägermeister basketball thing, and we just thought it was so funny, you know? It was funny, right? Like, despite all the injury and stuff that happened, you still thought it was funny, right? Like, Spencer says, Yeah, um, no, not really. Really? No, yeah, I'm just, I'm just trying to get feedback because it's really a lot of work being in charge of the hazing and stuff, but yeah, okay. Uh, and he's sort of notes down and asks Spencer for some tips on what might be funnier hazing rituals in the future. Well, I think uh, for hazing, I mean, Karen, I'm not a fan of bullying, but I think the point of hazing is to create a greater sense of camaraderie uh-huh, and yeah. team building so that you know when you're out on the field on the back of a of a living being, of a, of a beast, that you don't have to look behind you to know that your team is there riding as hard as they can following. Um, or that when you hit the ball, that somebody, somebody you trust is going to be on the other end of that pass. I think that that's what it's about. Right, right. Wow, trust and camaraderie. Those are interesting points. I'd never actually considered that. Anyway, yeah. So what did you say about this kid? What was his name? Uh, Liam. Liam Ferris. Um, and he was in your year or what? He's a friend of yours? Well, didn't you know, didn't, didn't you know him? He was, he was there that night with me and uh, Jonah Sampson Zimmerman. He was one of the indoctrinated freshmen, I, I thought. I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out if he's okay. I think there was just you and Jonah as far as I remember. I don't remember Liam Ferris. Didn't you, you, but didn't you pick up his clothes when you left? You must have an extra pair of clothes. I don't remember. All I remember is we did the old basketball ritual with you two, and then Horsley came and broke it all up. And was I was really looking forward to doing the basketball ritual too. I heard that nobody had done that ritual for like 13 years or something because a kid got really hurt or something. So I was like, oh yeah, danger, sweet. <laughs> Just... I mean, aside from the horror of what you just said, where did you find the ritual? Just out of, like, curiosity. Some of the basketball kids told me about it. Like, apparently, that was their hazing ritual for years and years and years until, like, 13 years ago or something like that. And they just didn't have the balls to do it anymore. Haha, <laughs> pun intended. And I thought, you know, we polo kids are pretty athletic, too. You know, they think that we can't do it because we ride on horses all day, but we can climb and dunk and stuff. So I thought I'd prove it to them by us doing the basketball ritual. All right, well, let's not do it again, please, Derek Senpai. Yeah, you're right. I, I'll probably try to come up with some better ones while I'm suspended, some some rituals that actually encourage, what did you say, com- comradarie? Is that how you pronounce it? Don't be an asshole, Derek. What exactly is truced again? All right, I'll see you later, Derek. <laughs> see you later. We come back to real life to... Spencer sort of zoned out reading these letters and Harriet bent over another one while Graham's sort of pulling on her sleeve, like a little kid, I guess, uh, pulling on her <laughs> sleeve going, um, should we really be doing this? Like, there's a ghost that literally just fucking killed someone outside. Why are we reading letters? I mean, what aren't we, shouldn't we be like getting ready to bind the the kitchen, the, the Pozzola ghost's house so that we can- That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing, Graham. I just, I need to understand it as best I can. And we have a second right now because it's bound. But guys, yes. Um, yeah. Guys. You found something? Hit me. So we had a theory that Liam Ferris was the kid that disappeared 13 years ago. 
right? Yeah. That was that was our theory. Now with these letters, with a date, we know that that's the same kid. We know that the basketball team, at least because of this letter and because of what Derek Senpai said, we know that the basketball team used this ritual for years and years and years and then stopped using it after Liam Ferris. So I think Liam Ferris actually died by slipping into the basketball hoop the way that we or everybody is saying Jonah Sampson Zimmerman did. And then the school covered it up, said that he just went home, and they moved all of his stuff into this room and built the bleachers in front of it so that nobody would ever see it. Uh-huh, Graham says. Uh-huh, I think that makes... It sounds crazy, but remember Dean Gillespie said that they've been having trouble with specters for the last few decades, and they've been trying to deal with it? Why would she say that? Why would she just sort of throw us off the trail and say that, oh, they're dealing with it? Clearly, they're not dealing with it. Okay, Harriet says. I think that's enough information for me. I can I can work with that. Let's, um... Let's try to bring these two specters together then, shall we? All right. Uh, guys, I don't know if you realize, but I think I'm probably slower than both of you. So if the ghost catches up, I'm going to be the one turned into a fucking prune. What am I supposed to do about that? Right. Just you run ahead, I guess, and we'll catch up. Great. Um, And I'm just going to the Pasole ghost? Yeah, just head over to the public kitchen and... um. We still have to find out what the Pasole Wraith, what it even is, right? Fuck. Okay. Uh, can I carry anything? Can I? Well, I- I'm just gonna go. I- I'm gonna. I'm gonna go. Do you have your powered rotation handset? Yeah, I have the automatic rotary device. What do you want me to do with it? I I don't know. I just thought it might make you feel a little safer. Damn straight. This butter knife twist the dick off of anyone. <laughs> <laughs> you put the butter knife back in. I, it's not like sanctified or anything. It won't do anything against the ghost. You try telling me that and he goes, and the butter knife spins around in the little uh, automatic rotary device. The lights on the set come on and we see uh, Graham just fucking booking it. He's got the little little uh, pink and purple backpack uh, from Harry's childhood on one shoulder. He's got the net over the other shoulder um, and sort of the drill under one arm, sorry, the, the automatic rotary device under one arm, um, both gloves on a, uh, cross of some level of blasphemy or non-blasphemy on either side. And he's just running. He's just running. He's run right by his house, which he doesn't even take a second to look at. He's running directly for the public kitchen, um, where he knows the Pasole ghost lives. Harry and Spencer are standing in front of the paste net where... Where Liam Ferris's ghost is still suspended, staring angrily down at them, screeching something along the lines of, Let me go so I can destroy you. You know, Harry, I never thought in my whole life anyone would ever say that to me. You got used to it pretty quick. And she um, brings out a pair of weird scissors. <laughs> The scissors are dull, and they actually, when you close the scissors, they don't even come together fully. 
but they're inscribed with all sorts of little green runes all over the blade and the handle. And she applies them to a a couple of choice spots around the ghost and goes snip, 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 and the ghost like starts thrashing free with several limbs, but it's still stuck there. And Spencer says, uh, should I start running? Be ready to. In three, two, one, snip. And they bolt as the specter rips free from the paste net and howls and thunders after them. But there's a certain like limp and wobble to its movements. And Harry, between wheezing breaths, says, At least it slowed it down a little bit. But it's coming after us. That's that's good, right? In this situation, I guess it's good. They tear across campus. Luckily, since they took so long to dismantle the bleachers, it's pretty late at night now. Nobody's there to, to witness this, except for one lonely Japanology student sitting alone, their weeby self, uh, in a picnic area, studying uh, their kanji. And they look up and see what appears to be two students running away from like a lens flare effect. I should have made this like a cinematography student. That would have been much much funnier. (laughs) Uh, Maybe they're a double major. Yes, Japanology (laughs) cinematography. They're a big Kurosawa nerd. Yeah, they really want to make live action anime remakes. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly. I just think there's a lot of potential in the Dragon Ball franchise that hasn't yet been tapped into. (laughs) (laughs) With that, our two athletic individuals, more athletic than Graham at least, as you said, tear down the street uh, heading for the kitchenette. And behind them, they can sort of see because they can see in the reflection on the trees and on the cars and the street, sort of uh, floating lens flare following them. This bluish presence. Yeah. But to them, unlike to most others, there are definitive feet. There are almost definitive sneakers as they're padding the streets and running. And the ethereal presence doesn't need to run the street, but this presence, this is how it knows how to move. And it leaps and bounds and we can even see something like a basketball jersey forming around its torso. And the number on the back is 13. (laughs) And the number on the back is 69. Nice. This has been Story Jazz. We were just building up to that. That was the whole joke. Um, Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah. Nice. Nice. No, anyway, they reach the kitchenette just a bit after Graham does who's hands on his knees, leaning over, the drills on the ground, the backpacks on the ground, the nets on the ground, and he's... <laughs> and Harriet uh, throws open the door and Spencer grabs Graham and like pulls him, come on, uh, inside, and they slam the door. And the presence of the ghost like sort of into the door behind them and like seems to wash around the house. And now the ghost is like circling around trying to find a way in. And they have a few moments of time to try to summon the Pasole Wraith before uh, Liam enters the house. So uh, Harriet leans over to Spencer and goes, all right, so what's the best way to get this ghost out? Um, should we, and then as she says that, Graham goes, <gasps> I got this, guys. And he he extends <laughs> his neck and he looks up in the air. He kicks off his shoes and he goes, 
Pozole. And the whole house starts to rumble and shake. And with this sort of flitting magic specter on the outside doing circles like a electrons around a neutron core, uh, <laughs> the, the house itself starts to shake and rumble. The pots of the pans fall off of the rack on the, on the, in the kitchen. The stove starts to light and close and light and close and this sort of clicking, 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 and then fires to light and then boom, goes out flat. And the cabinets are open and close and open and close and slam and the cabinets fall to the ground. And then one of the cabinets that slides to the center of the kitchen flips over, flips back up, flips over. And then from underneath it slides a red and white striped apron. And the whole house goes still. There's tables are knocked over. There's a lampshade knocked over. There's still one burner lit. But this red and white apron slowly rises in the center of the room. And the opening, the sort of head opening, gets peeled open a little bit. And then it falls over some invisible shoulders. And the busted ghost disappeared. <laughs> and as everything quiets down, three pairs of socks patter over the ground. <laughs> Into the kitchen, where the apron that they've seen every day for the past week floats unassuming in the air in front of the stove. Harriet, who's in front, looks back at the others and holds a hand up to her lips. And she reaches for the last vase on the counter that hasn't fallen over. And she says, she, she mouths to the others, I'm sorry. And she leans back and she throws the, the, the vase at the, at the apron, hoping hoping to God and Chuck E. Cheese Jesus that <laughs> this will anger the Pasole Wraith enough to where its presence will become apparent to Liam Ferris. But the vase doesn't make it to the apron. The vase instead clatters to another invisible presence in between. And as the little pieces of the vase fall to the ground, the gaunt spectral face of Liam Ferris grinning appears. And the group gasps. Yes! <laughs> we made we got it! There. We, we got, got there. there! Guys, we are so close to our two-hour recording limit. We actually, halfway through this, weren't sure we were going to actually make it to my cold open. <laughs> <laughs> like, we were pretty sure that we'd completely fucked ourselves. Now we have maybe 10, 20 more minutes to just try to tie this all up with a cool climax. Get these ghosts into heaven or hell or Chuck E. Cheese limbo. And uh, let's do that right now. The Pasole Wraith has, although not hurt anyone, has shown its strength to be far and above uh, Liam Ferris in power, though appears to not be malicious. Um, at least not towards Graham, our only evidence of encounter with it. We know, thanks to Harrison Bartleby, Harriet's dad, that a wraith is the echo or the memory of a person's spirit, not a full ghost that is tethered to the human world by trauma, but a ghost that has arisen from somebody else's memory of a person that they've lost. The, the issue with that and the reason wraiths are more powerful is because they're not limited to the goals and desires and, and rage or sadness or, or incompleteness that a ghost feels when it's attached to its sort of human 
It's past human host. A wraith grows unto itself. Uh, it's, it's the runaway human emotion, and it feeds off of that, that human. It may exist long after that human is gone, but it feeds on that and grows further because of it. And it feeds on, more specifically, it feeds on the idea of whoever conjured it up. Yeah. Imagine you had a you had created a wraith because of your intense obsession with a a lover that you lost. Yeah. And this wraith takes on the form vaguely of that lover, but it grows beyond that because your obsession with this now unfortunately past person sometimes becomes greater than that person ever was. And the wraith embodies that presence and can run away with that power if one's not careful. So here now stands Liam Ferris, the ghost, in front of an apron, the wraith, and has blocked off the vase that Harriet Bartleby, the ghost hunter, the reluctant ghost hunter, launched toward the wraith. Liam smiles at the group and then turns toward the apron wraith and says, Sorry about that, mother. For those viewers who can't see me, I took a big breath because now I need to rethink what the fuck I'm doing here. Um, (laughs) I think in tandem with my breath uh, and my reconceptualization of what is happening, Harriet looks back at the two twins, uh, Spencer and Graham, and goes, what the fuck did we just, what the fuck did we just do? Is this a good thing or is this a bad thing? And uh, Graham looks back at Harry and goes, what the fuck are you asking us for? You're the expert, not us. And then uh, Spencer goes, guys, we should not be whispering. Why are we talking right now? (laughs) Harriet, you said you had an idea. Now that we had read the notes, uh, the the letters, what do we do? You had an idea. What was was your idea? The apron circles uh, the room and starts approaching the group from one side. Liam starts approaching from the other. I thought they were two separate, like, warring entities. I don't know. I thought maybe the Wraith represented some other student that had bullied him or something. But apparently, the Wraith is his mom, I guess. So I'm guessing Liam conjured the Wraith? So they're, like, working together now, which is really bad for us. And the Wraith and the Ghost both get closer and closer and whisper to each other in some sort of unintelligible and Liam laughs and goes and the ghost goes with that Graham's eyes light up not not actually but his he he perks he perks up and he goes guys I have a plan and he abruptly stands up both of the ghosts continue to circle slowly but now they're watching Graham And they're not moving in closer. They're just sort of hesitantly watching Graham. And for the first time Spencer has ever seen, Graham lifts his chin up high and walks with absolute confidence towards the kitchen. Actually, now that I think about it, I'm sure Spencer has seen Graham walk with absolute confidence to the kitchen before. (laughs) But in this particular occasion, amidst the horrifying nature of these at least semi-murderous creatures, Graham looks unafraid. Graham, one socked step at a time, marches unafraid into the kitchen, 
and grabs a cast iron pot from the ground. And raising the temperature of the last lit burner, he plops, clang, the cast iron pot onto the stove. From his fanny pack, which he's been wearing this whole time, (laughs) he produces a jar of uh, vegetable broth. And he (laughs) opens it up and it's already got some some, uh, turnips and hominy and, you know, onions in it, a little bit of garlic. He pours it in this cast iron pot. He reaches over to the side. He's got a couple more fresh cloves of garlic. He grabs a cutting board, which has fallen off of the rack land on the table. He grabs it and he picks a knife, which has lodged itself almost in the dishwasher as it fell off of the, the drying rack near the, near the sink. And he begins to chop some garlic. So as all of this is happening, Liam is drawing closer, focusing on Harriet and Spencer because he feels like that's where the main threat is coming from. But as Graham sort of sneaks his way through the room to the pot and all that, the apron wraith hesitates. And Liam says, you guys are in for a world of vengeance. Oh, yeah. And like almost electric, um, ghostly energy starts coursing along his arms. And uh, he like starts to swell inside, in size. And um, a spectral basketball appears from somewhere above him and rolls down his shoulder into his hand. And he starts passing it around and spinning it on his finger. And then it suddenly becomes two basketballs. It becomes four basketballs like some sort of spectral basketball mitosis is going on. Uh, and he starts launching these spectral basketballs at Spencer. and He ejaculates the basketballs <laughs> at-, <laughs> at Spencer and Harriet, who get hit a few times, but then so, uh, sort of duck down behind a fallen table. And Harriet um, like reaches out with her hands and manages with her gloved hands, you know, and manages to catch one of these basketballs and hurl it back. And Graham pushes fur- further forward, and now he's starting to cook, you know. And the apron wraith has lost interest in these two new visitors and is now instead sort of swirling around Graham and watching him as he makes the, the first ingredients for the pozole. Eventually, uh, Liam perks up and realizes that his wraith mother isn't helping, turns around and says, Mom, what are you doing? Is he... Is that... What's he making? As he realizes... That's pozole on the stove there. That's starting to smell pretty good, actually. Without answering, Liam, the wraith mother reaches over to the knife rack. She's standing across from Graham, across the little island with the stove on it. She reaches over to the knife rack and grabs one of the knives and pulls it out, but the knife doesn't move. Instead, a spectral knife appears in her hand from the knife rack. And she reaches over to a turned over basket of fruits and vegetables, which is empty. And she pulls a spectral onion from within it. (laughs) And she puts it on the cutting board that Graham is using. Graham, startled slightly, but trying to keep his cool, continues to mince the garlic. And she begins mincing the onion right next to him. No, no, you won't distract me like this, says uh, Liam Ferris's ghost. And um, a crack appears in his skull, in his forehead, and it starts opening up toward the back, and it bleeds out, and it starts cracking open, and we know, and I don't know if the ghost hunters know this, but this is 
the same crack that his head had when he fell from those rafters and died. Actually, I think Harriet does know this. This is one of the things that she discovered in the pile of his belongings is the sort of coroner's report that was thrown along with his stuff and hidden in there. And out pours a flood of spectral energy that envelops the room. Harriet dives from her hiding place for the pink and purple backpack that that she had from her childhood that Graham brought. And she rips it open and she starts shuffling through this. And Spencer looks and goes, what are you doing? What, what, right now? She says, all right, I didn't think we'd ever need to use this, but we might actually be able to save Dr. Horsley. We might actually be able to save him. Whoa. And she's just throwing stuff left and right, a half tube of ghost catching paste and her, her childhood, uh, you know, monkey femur bone necklace that she got when she was working in <laughs> the Amazon. Her pink painted Geiger counter. Yeah, all, all of her stuff. And at the very bottom, she finds a small uh, clamshell that's bound together uh, like a book on the edges so it can open and close with a very, very fine silver thread. And she takes it out very, very gingerly. And she sort of nods to Spencer, says, like, come over, like, with her head. And Spencer sort of crawls across trying to avoid best the sort of splintering uh, semi-demonic spectral energy that's sort of flying out of the, the, the forehead of Liam Ferris, who's being sort of torn asunder in the center of the room. And she opens this small clamshell. Inside, there's nothing. There, there, there's nothing special inside. And she looks, to, she looks to Spencer. She says, if for even a second you think that one of these pieces of energy belongs to Dr. Horsley and you can catch it in this, we can put it back into his body and we might be able to save him. Uh, Okay. Spencer gulps. And then Harriet says, okay, oh boy. And she looks up at Liam, who's now like, the crack is now extending into his nose and eyes area and it's like his whole skull is splitting wide open, like unnaturally wide, like the jaws of a snake as it just pours forth like... It's gushing forth all the pain and all the, the, the frustration and loneliness that Liam Ferris lived through in his last weeks before his death. Suddenly, this amalgamated emotion of those weeks becomes utterly overwhelming to all of us, like a blinding white light that fills all five of our senses, including the zeroth sense, namely our humanity. And then everything is absolute darkness and silence. Harriet, Spencer, and Graham are all aware of this now, but they aren't corporeally there. They're just looking upon Liam Ferris at the edge of campus 13 years ago, getting out of his dad's car. A few gruff words are exchanged, and Liam nods and... His dad doesn't get out to hug him or anything. He just helps him sort of pull the his suitcase out of the car and then Liam walks lonely down campus street. He sees other groups of people joining up, uh, families saying goodbye, but he's all alone. And then <laughs> suddenly we are in the gym again. Drop, trow, drop, trow, drop, trow. Liam is there with a couple of other freshmen. 
in the middle of this hazing ritual and he gets naked and he tries to climb up with the others and the others make it. They chug the Jägermeister beforehand or maybe back then it was another drink um, or some of them drink it while they're up in the rafters and they dunk their basketballs and are proud. And Liam drinks half of the drink and then coughs and <laughs> just can't do it. And he tries to climb up, but he loses his balance and he almost falls and shamefully he climbs back down. Everybody laughs at him and he walks home alone to his dorm room. We're in his dorm room. He's all alone, staring at the wall. Days later in class, he sits all alone. In the canteen, he sits all alone. Back home, alone. In class, alone. Lunch, alone. Then he sits in the public kitchenette area. For some reason, something compelled him to come here today and cook among the others. Maybe somebody would approach him. Maybe he could cook with somebody else. Maybe he could finally make a friend. It's been months and he hasn't made a single friend. And as he cooks alone, at some point he looks up and there's an apron floating next to him. And uh, he just accepts it. He doesn't question it at first. He's felt so lonely for so long that finally there's a person here with him. It feels right enough to not question it. He cuts his onions and his garlic and everything. And uh, this wraith cuts spectral onions and garlic and together they make a half corporeal, half spectral pozole, just like his mom used to make. He's never been able to make it the way that she did. He never got the taste quite right, but this time, as he blows on it and is just able to slurp it down without burning his tongue, he realizes this is exactly how mom used to make it. Before she passed away a couple years ago, he looks at the apron, looks where the eyes of the wraith must be, he thinks he sees a glimmer there for a second. He says, thanks, mom, for being there. And then the apron flutters to the ground. This goes on for a few weeks. Every now and then, the wraith of his mother appears. Born from his loneliness, she spends time with him when nobody else will. She cheers him up. She gives him back his confidence or at least a little shred of it we're back at the gym it's the middle of the night it must be some weeks later and practice is going fine but not well he still doesn't have any friends in the team why are we in the gym at night alone liam ferris is standing in the middle of the gym a bottle of jägermeister under one arm a basketball under the other with his shorts around his knees alone he's going to do the hazing ritual by himself. He's going to try to to finish what he couldn't do before. Sure, surely the the guys will accept him onto the team if he if he manages to do it now. He drops the basketball, kicks off his shorts and starts chugging the Jägermeister. It burns in his throat. It burns so bad, but he just keeps chugging. He just keeps going. <sighs> he looks at the empty bottle in his hand and he puts it down clank clank by his feet. He undoes his shoes, his socks, takes off his jersey, and picks up the basketball. 
it's now or never. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. One foot, the next, he's climbing up the climbing rack. He's up into the rafters. The basketball is kind of awkward. So he, so he shifts it to the other arm. No, not quite. So he tried to kind of grab it between his legs. But as he's reaching between his legs, his other hand slips. His leg slips. He's falling. Fuck, he's falling. There's, there's basketball hoop. Maybe he could grab the basketball hoop. He reaches out for it, but his arm gets caught in it. Snap, boom. It whips him around. His body goes limp and he falls to the side. He's still hurting the ground. His arm's been dislocated. He looks at the ground. He tries to hold his hand out in front of him, but slam, boom. His forehead just meets the ground so hard it instantly splits open. He's watching himself from three feet away, five feet away. He's standing right where he was just five minutes earlier. There's no bottle of Jaeger in his hand. There's actually no hand there at all. There's just a, an ethereal presence. What's, who's that corpse at the, at the base of the basketball hoop? Who, why, is that him? Is that his corpse? With a jolt, everybody thumps back into their bodies. The spectral energies swirl in a vortex around the whole room, centering on Liam's head. Harriet is sort of bracing herself against a lampshade. Uh, Spencer's trying to stand to his feet. Uh, Graham is doing the best as he can to, to pull a turnip out of his fanny pack and start cutting it. The apron is whipping back and forth, but the spectral presence is so strong, it doesn't even move as it continues to cut the next onion and, and open a spectral can of beans. Spencer finally getting to his feet, standing directly in the tornado of energy. He looks at Harriet and he snaps his fingers a couple times, says, we got one chance. He breathes in deep and he looks Liam Ferris directly in the face and says, hey, Dr. Horsley, can you spot me on this? <laughs> and with that, uh, amidst the sort of turquoise cyan hue, a bright purple jet flies out of Liam's forehead. Woo! And Harriet leaps to her feet, opening the tiny clamshell and with one extended arm, jumps into the air and clamps it around the little ball of bright purple energy streaking through the air. Slam. Then she gets tossed to the side and Spencer manages to just barely keep her from crashing out the window. He falls to his knees too as the tornado of energy swells further and further. It starts tearing the paint off the walls. It's ripping the bottom of the, of the, of the stairs as it's starting, starting to just tear the whole building to shreds. And then clink, a ladle hits the side of a pot and the spectral energies swirl and shut inside Liam Ferris's head, and he's jolted, floating, as a bowl of half-spectral pozole is placed onto the table. Harriet gets up. Spencer grabs a chair and places it in front of the bowl. Harriet gently places a gauntleted hand on the paralyzed ghost Liam's shoulder sets him down in the chair in front of the bowl of pozole. Hey, buddy, what say you we share some pozole as friends? Graham from the other room goes, oh, wait, 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 I, I have some parsley. I haven't put the parsley in yet. And he comes trundling in um, and he's got uh, a, uh, one sprig of parsley. It's all he could fit in his, in his uh, fanny pack. And he's got some scissors and he leans over the spectral bowl of pozole and he clips a couple of pieces of parsley over it the apron from the kitchen it has no body 
But if it did, it would be smiling. If it did, it would have its hands on its hips. If it did, it would be happy to see a, a young Liam Ferris sharing a bowl of pozole with some friends. Liam smiles up at his friends who are now sitting around the table with him, each with their own bowl of pozole, and says, With parsley, just like mom used to make. And then they dip their spoons into the, what is it, red? <laughs> I don't fucking know. It's red. It's got chilies and stuff, yeah. They dip their red. spoons into the red soup. Uh, is it a soup? I'm not sure. It's like a stew. They dip their spoons into the red stew. Liam dips his in, takes a hearty slurp, and disintegrates into white sparks. Silence fills the room. They all put down their spoons. They're not quite sure if it would be healthy to ingest spectral pozole. Then there's a light... as the apron glitters to the ground. Harriet looks to Graham, smiles, closes her eyes. She opens them and she looks at Spencer and she raises an eyebrow and she points to her nose. Spencer sniffs a bit. The air, it smells clean. Just smells a tiny bit like pozole. Two months later, Harriet is walking through campus. She passes by the spot where a naked boy once bowled her over and realizes, wow, I'm actually friends with that guy now. She approaches the little dorm house where Spencer and Graham live and can see them already sitting outside. Graham pulling on his vape, Spencer doing some casual chin-ups. <laughs> before, before Harriet even gets close, she can hear Graham's voice. All right, Spencer, look, I know you need to practice, but you look like a douchebag. I'm just going to say it. You look like a douchebag. Says the guy vaping in 2020. <sighs> Damaging your health is way cooler than benefiting it. Everybody knows that. Mm. Give me a, give me, what, what's the flavor of his vape? I... Uh, Kiwi cotton candy. Ah, kiwi cotton candy. My favorite. <laughs> so dumb. Uh, the brothers look at look at look at one another. Uh, Spencer all sweaty, half he's shirtless, half naked, and his you know running shorts and uh, calf high socks. Uh, his fingers are red from having done these chin ups in broad daylight on his porch. Graham's got his. Classic semi-transparent uh, Game Boy Advance in his lap. Uh, he's playing sort of a classic <laughs> game yeah. of uh, Pokemon Crystal. Crystal is actually a semi-transparent uh, cartridge as well. So I think he's trying, he's subconsciously trying to confront himself with semi-transparent objects in order to become comfortable with semi-transparency again after the ghost ordeal. Yeah, but I'm not sure he's thinking about any of this. He's just trying to catch... Uh, no, it's a, subconscious. He's just trying to catch a shiny ghastly. <laughs> Harriet makes her way up to the steps and says, hey guys, what's cooking? 